0: Good morning, church. Will you stand as we worship? It's good to meditate on the goodness of God. Praise God. Who am I
1: that the high
2: Give us confidence that that is the reality, Lord God, and that You would show us how to have an expectation for victory, Lord God. And it's through Your Spirit and Your Word. It's through submission to who You are and obedience to what You've called us to do, Lord God. Through just humble obedience with an expectation, Lord God, that uh, God, that You are, You are working, You are involved. And I uh, love what I read recently. There's a thousand ways that God can meet us and meet our needs. And uh, there are times when we don't know any way out. We can't see any way out. But, Lord, you've got a thousand different ways that can bring about our provision, our deliverance, our help, Lord God. So I pray, God, that you would God give us confidence in you, not in our own ability to even believe you, but just in our ability to trust you, Lord God. Uh, so it's not about us, Lord. It's just about knowing who we serve and and what you're all about, Lord God, knowing your 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 character, Lord, and uh, just your nature and your goodness, Lord God. So I pray, God, that you would uh, continue to teach us. Lord, I pray that there'd be correction to our bad theology, things that we're believing that aren't even true or biblical, Lord. I pray that you correct those things, Lord God, and help us to align ourselves with your word. and. Be filled with your spirit and, and find truth and in the reality of who you are lord god so god we just invite you to be lord and leader of our lives of our church of this ministry of everything that we do lord and leader lord you're in charge that means we're submitted to you we recognize we're desperate without you we need you lord god and um, boy, until we get to that place where we're desperate without you and recognize our need for you lord god you will never truly be the lord of our lives and so lord help us to get to the end of ourselves the end of our own strength the end of our own, uh, whatever it is that we're holding on to that's keeping us, Lord, from fully, fully trusting you with our lives, with every part of our lives, Lord, our time, talent, our treasure, Lord, our mind, will, and emotion, Lord God, everything, Lord God. We just give ourselves to you, Lord God. So thank you for the opportunity to worship, Lord. God, I pray that as we open up the word in Hebrews chapter 12 today, and we're talking about the race, the race, this thing called Christianity, this run that we're in, Lord God, that we would run strong in Jesus' name. That every, that every week we would grow in grace and truth and that we would run strong, Lord God, with confidence and grace, uh, confidence in you and, and just fill with your grace, Lord God. God, we need you, Lord. We love you. We thank you for your goodness. God, bless this time fill this place lord every venue <laughs> every space on this campus for everybody's watching online who will watch online lord we just pray blessing and truth and grace and revelation and help lord god we need you lord we love you in jesus name amen. amen amen turn and greet somebody and then we will jump in in just a moment could you hear me yes
3: I have never There's no place that I could go So
2: are in Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, get through the balance of it today, Running Strong part two, Running Strong part two, we covered part one last week and part two this week, it's interesting, I was out in my garden watering and, um, I'm you know, we've got these hop seeds that are growing and I just love to water them by hand, there's just something that makes, it makes me feel part of the process, I know I can put them on a drip system but it just makes me feel like I'm part of the process when I'm watering them. So as I'm watering them though, it's right next to the greenhouse and inside the greenhouse at the corner of my eye, I see this mouse that runs by right around, just really, really fast. And uh, I thought, oh, that's what's going on because Jolene's been you know, saying, hey, there's something eating my, my greens. Like all my new starts, they're getting eaten, you know? So that was the deal. They were, they were running around in there having a good time and um, so I got a trap and put a little peanut butter on it. Peanut butter's the greatest thing for catching a mouse. And uh, so, put it out there. I told you, I came in. I said, I promise you, within an hour, we're going to have a mouse. And uh, so, I walked out there in an hour, and sure enough, there was a mouse. Reset the trap, more peanut butter, and um, out there another hour, got another mouse. And uh, so, it, it made me think about, you know, all of creation. We're running towards something. You know, we're all running towards something. And, uh, you know, we've got blue jays around our property, and they're always running. You know, quail are always running. You know, the dogs and the cats are always running, usually because they're chasing each other, or the dog's chasing. Well, it's actually, cat chases the dog, the dog chases the cat. It's weird. They're always running. They're always going. So I want to make sure that we're running in the right direction. You know, like, we're running with purpose. Like, we're running toward Jesus and toward our purpose, because the world will put out all kinds of things that kind of get our attention that cause us to run after them. But like the, maybe like the mouse in the trap, it's, you know, it's like, just waiting to take you out. <laughs> waiting to take you out. That's kind of my trap. No, I fed him to the dogs. Well, one to the cat, one to the dog. They liked him. You know, what do you do? I'm not going to bury it. Good. It's good. It's sustenance. It's sustenance for the animals. Anyway, so running strong part two. Last week we talked about. Sorry. Running with focused endurance. (laughs) We talked about running with focused perspective and running with focused faith. And as we get into Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and following, all the way through 29, we're talking about running peacefully. Running peacefully. I think there's, there's something that eludes us sometimes as believers, as human beings. We lack the peace and the rest that is available to us as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's so many things hindering our ability to find that peace. So many distractions in life. So many things that we're running toward that don't do anything for our peace. But when we choose to run after Jesus and his plans, and his purposes, and his ways, there's a peace that goes hand in hand with that decision. I find that when I'm at peace with God, I'm at peace with everybody. Verse 14 says, work at living in peace with everyone. Work at living in peace with everyone. You think that's possible? I think it's possible. I mean, if the scripture tells us to do it, And if we're filled with the power of God that enables our doing, that gives us the ability to do what God has asked us to do, then we can indeed enjoy peace with everyone. People who disagree with us politically, theologically, people who don't understand the way we live and who... Do whatever differently than we do, we can have peace with them. Because I think part of the deal is that when we're believers, we've got a kingdom perspective. We realize that this whole life is just temporary anyway. I mean, we're we check in for a bit for a season and then we check out. I mean, it's like that quick, and then it's over. It's over. I was thinking about a sermon series that I did, what I thought was recently, and so, and my wife thought recently. It was a book that we taught through a long time ago. And um, I said, I wonder when I, when I taught through that book the last. And I looked, it was 15 years ago. <laughs> 15 years ago, <laughs> right? That, I mean, that's like in a blink, 15 years goes by. I thought, I, I think to myself, I got maybe 15 years left in, you know, full-time vocational ministry. Then maybe I'll retire, whatever that looks like. But maybe, I'm thinking, I that's too fast. (laughs) You know, like 15 years ago, is that fast. It's just kind of an indicator about, you know, how how fast this life is. And when we hold this perspective that life is blazing by, we can hold things a lot more loosely and not be so easily offended and and live at peace with everyone. And again, I find that when I'm at peace with God, it's so much easier to be at peace with everyone else. In Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 9, verse 6, Jesus is identified as the Prince of Peace. He is our Prince of Peace. So we find peace only through the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, we're looking for peace in all kinds of different things and pursuits, but peace really is only found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We find peace there. Romans 5.1 verifies that truth. It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. So we have peace not because we're good, but because he is good. Because he has accomplished what is needed to give us that peace. He has forgiven our sins. He has come into our lives. He has adopted us into his family. He has called us his own. He loves us unconditionally. He guides and directs our lives. When we need wisdom, he gives it. Abundantly so, so that we can move forward with a level of confidence that God is directing my steps and He's helping me. And so, with that comes a great deal of peace. We have peace because we have Jesus. No Jesus, no peace. You just won't find it. You'll find all kinds of other temporary things, but you won't find lasting peace. When we understand the source of peace, we know who to turn to when we lack peace. We turn to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Last week, we talked about running with endurance. Part of the method of running with endurance is by keeping focused on Jesus, the prize, the reason for the race, the run, the reason for our endurance is Jesus. He's given us reason to live and purpose in our living. This week, our text instructs us to work at living in peace with everyone. So we will have peace with everyone when we figure out how to have peace with Jesus. Sometimes we don't have peace with Jesus because we're just living at odds with him. We're not in alignment with him. And I love that peace begins to disintegrate or dis- it begins to dis- disappear when I'm out of step with him because it reminds me that it's an indicator. Like some, It's like something's wrong, something's up. You know, It's like when you're, you know, hot, hot light, you know, when your lights go on in your car, there's an indication that something's wrong. You're low on fluid or you're missing something that you need. So we live at peace with Jesus when we align ourselves with him. That's why we teach the Bible. That's why we ask people to just invest in the word, read the word. Otherwise, everything else steals our peace. I begin to lose peace with projects or people that I can't manage, (laughs) right, projects, people, things that are just kind of out of my control, and then I realize it's not my job to manage all these things, these are things that I'm trying to manage in my own strength, but I don't have the capacity, and so I give it back to the Lord, and the peace, there's, the, the peace just floods back, there's, when we put our faith in God for our lives, we have peace, and and, and with peace we have confidence. Not arrogance, we're never talking talking about arrogance. Arrogance is never the idea. But confidence, we can have confidence that God is directing me and he's in my life, and though I don't walk perfectly, I know that he's with me, and I know that I'm available to his spirit and to his word, and I wanna do what he's called me to do. We can experience peace with Jesus and peace with one another but we got to hold a kingdom perspective. So when people have offended us and we're at odds, we need to let it go. Extend grace like grace has been extended to us, recognizing that we're all imperfect. We are all lacking perfection and and, we're, and all of us are wrong in some area and arena of our lives. All of us are off in some area or arena of our lives, and so we can extend grace to people. Run peacefully. When I'm trying to run, like a physical run, if I'm not at peace, man, I just want to quit. I, I don't have the, I, I don't even have the grace for a physical run, let alone a spiritual run. I mean, it all takes the peace of God to, to stay on course, and to keep moving forward. So number one, run peacefully, and then run holy. They go, they go hand in hand. You have peace when there's a level of holiness in your life, when you're pursuing righteousness and purity in your life. Verse 14 continues, and work at living a holy life. Why does it say work at it? Because it's work, right? Everything in the world is trying to pollute us. Everything in the world is trying to invade our purity, trying to uh, trying to get us exposed to something that is unholy. So we have to work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy, will not see the Lord. It's an indication that if there's a uh, if we're unholy, that means we're not allowing the work of God that He desires to do to be accomplished. In our lives. We all have unholy moments, but when we're living a life of unholiness, it's an indication that the presence of the living God is absent from our lives. And we need to go back and ask the question: Is Jesus, is he really the Lord of my life? Or am I just a you know going through the motions? Work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. John MacArthur writes, We need to draw near to God with full faith. And really, this is where holiness comes in, like a full faith. Like, I'm all, <laughs> I'm all in, Jesus. Like, my heart is filled with faith and a cleansed conscience, knowing that our conscience has been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb and a genuine acceptance of Christ as the Savior and sacrifice for sin bringing us into fellowship with God. He said unbelievers will not be drawn to accept Christ if believers' lives do not demonstrate the qualities of God, the qualities God desires including peace and holiness. So we need to demonstrate both not to be impressive to others, but because that's God's design. And out of God's design, we we naturally draw people to him. we When people wonder, where's the peace coming from? Where's the, all, Your life is so different. It's just a natural um, attractance. People are like, man, it's so different than the world, right? If people aren't looking at our lives in some way and saying, man, it's just different than the world. Would there, maybe we need to revisit some things. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8 says, God's will is for you to be holy. Wow, God's will. If you're ever wondering what God's will is, this is Part of the deal. probably probably starts here. Like God's will is for us to be holy in Jesus' name. He gives us the grace to do that. So stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passions like the pagans who do not know God and his ways, Never harm or cheat a Christian brother in this manner. But matter by violating his wife, for the Lord avenges all such sins as we have solemnly warned you before. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teachings, but is rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit So he calls us to holiness and he fills us with the spirit, the power of God, the presence of the living God who's convicting us of sin and of righteousness, who's speaking to us if we have the slightest ability to listen and obey. God is speaking to us through his spirit and through his word guiding us down a path of holiness, And so with that, we offer ministries within the church to help people with their personal purity. We've got pure desire groups for men just longing for personal purity. And and really, all of us need accountability for our lives. And so whether it's a pure desire group or just another Bible study where you're connected to other people, where you're accountable to other people to help you live a holy life, a study that, that that compels you to be opening up the Scripture and to be thinking deeply about the things of God and the ways of God and the plans and purposes of God. If we've got those midweek opportunities, besides Sunday, which is meant to do the same thing, we need small groups where we're connected and committed to one another and committed to serving one another and being pure and holy in our pursuit of the living God. So we have to sanctify our lives by working at it. None of this stuff is gonna come easy. It's all hard work. I mean, Christianity is like the easiest thing in the world in that we're saved by grace through faith, but it's the hardest thing in that it requires our full attention all the days of our lives to fully... Follow Jesus. I mean, he takes everything within us. God, every morning, Lord, with every temptation, with every distraction, with every hindrance, whatever it is, Lord, I need you to strengthen me, to empower me, to keep my mind focused. And so I might continue to run with endurance and holiness, intentionality. So Christianity, you know, you may have prayed a prayer that welcomed Jesus into your life, but you've just, signed up for a lifetime of glory, a lifetime of discipline, a lifetime of work to keep focused on Jesus, to make sure Jesus is first in your marriage and in your finances, in your business relationships, in your neighborhood, that Jesus is number one. And so it's a constant course correction. Lord, that wasn't honoring to you. So Lord, I don't want to say that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. My life is yours. And so God, I want my life to reflect the reality that my life is yours. It is not my own. I've been bought with a price. So my life is yours, Jesus. We have to sanctify our lives. We have to consecrate our lives. We have to set our lives apart for the kingdom purpose that God has called us to. How, how is this accomplished? Our, our actions become holy as we keep our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, we run with endurance as we keep our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So it's all about Jesus. He initiates. He calls us by his grace into this kingdom life where we're forgiven and graced and loved and called. It. He, he calls us into it like it's his idea right, to save us. Right? We're, we're so lost we don't even realize our need for Jesus, but he makes us aware and calls us into this kingdom life, and then he perfects our faith as we yield to him. It's all about Jesus. I, how, do, how do we expect to do anything if Jesus isn't at the center of our lives? And we wonder sometimes why we're struggling, but we've left Jesus at church on Sunday morning. We've left him with our devotion time on, in the morning with our Bibles, and we're not taking him with us. And we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. I mean, it's, a, it's true in sports. When I was playing baseball, I, I was taught, I man, you gotta keep your eye on the ball. Like, to catch it, you gotta keep your eye on the ball. To hit the ball, you've gotta watch it. Golf, you have to watch it. I was out playing catch with my boys years ago, and I was used to playing catch with my boys because they played baseball, and so I was used to chucking the ball pretty hard, and they'd catch it, and we'd play. Well, Caitlin decides to jump in and play baseball with us or play catch with us, and I'm not thinking that Caitlin's not used to playing baseball because she's doing other sports, and I chucked the ball at her, and, and she missed it, and it hit her in the nose and broke her nose. I told her, Caitlin, this is why you have to keep your eye on the ball. <laughs> I didn't say that at all. <laughs> I felt horrible, right? I'm like, I'm so sorry. She was like 10 years old, and, you know, her nose is, her eyes are black, and she's a mess. But It makes a good sermon illustration all of these years later. <laughs> and I think she's forgiven me, and she still loves me, but uh, she just turned 31. That was a long time ago, right? Yeah. You don't want to get a black eye because you missed the ball. You don't want to break your neck. I mean, you just got to, you know, we get injured when we miss the mark, right? We get injured personally and spiritually, relationally. And so we're to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And then we move forward as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're swimming upstream because everybody else in the culture is doing something different. But we have Jesus and so we run with peace and with holiness. By, by God's grace, we do these things. And then number three, we run unselfishly. We run, because we're not in it alone. Like we're in it together as the body of Christ gathered. Some of the body of Christ are gathered here. Others are gathered in other churches throughout this community and the world. And we're working together, running unselfishly. So as we pursue peace and holiness in our own lives, we're also mindful of others, helping them to pursue peace and holiness in their own lives. Verse 15 says, look after each other. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. The the grace of God is available, but we have to help one another. We're, We're not in this as an island unto ourselves independent of the body of Christ. That's why Hebrews 10 tells us, don't neglect the gathering together of the saints. Get together. Look after each other. It means to exercise oversight. It means to take responsibility for, to bear one another's burdens. We have a responsibility to each other to... Help each other to live with a, a level of peace that God designs and a level of holiness that God requires. He's asked us to take responsibility for one another, so that none of us fails to receive the grace of God. And that's grace. That Greek word charis, means a couple di- means a number of different things, but for our sake and context, it means a couple of different things that we'll talk about. It means favor. When the angel appeared to Mary in Luke 1.30, he said, Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor. That's that Greek word for grace. Kallos. You have found favor with God. It means favor. It means blessing. And Favor defined as this, the spiritual condition of one governed by the power of divine grace. Wow. The spiritual condition of one governed by the power of divine grace. Are we governed by divine grace, or are we governing ourselves? I mean, that's the, the, the question that we need to be asking ourselves all of the time. If, am I governing my own life, or is Jesus? So it means favor, but it also means salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, God saved you by his grace. When you believe, and you can't take credit for this, it's a gift from God. So part of our, our job as runners in the race is to make sure that others in the race are receiving God's grace. There may be people in church who never experience the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have a responsibility to challenge them with truth and invite them in with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And people who are in church and who have salvation maybe aren't walking in that Favor that grace that, that the, the, the kindness of the Lord that he's got available that he's made available to us, that favor and that blessing that he wants for us. so if, if you're here today you've never accepted the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in the sense that you've been born again, that you've been saved what's that word saved means It means saved from judgment. Jesus died on the cross taking our judgment upon himself so that we could be made right with him. God's judgment fell on Jesus so that God's grace could fall on us. If we don't understand that, and if it doesn't transform and change our lives, then we really haven't fully understood it. The Bible calls it being born again when we experience the grace, truth, message of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're born again because it's like we've literally been born again. We wake up, we're different. We've got a different perspective different understanding, a different appreciation. We're living no longer for ourselves, but for the one who saved us, for the one who redeemed us, for the one who delivers us. So part of our job is to help others, inspire others, encourage others in their race. We have this responsibility to help others find the favor of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts 4.33, the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and God's great blessing, his grace, was upon them all. They're declaring the reality of the resurrected king and God's blessing, his grace, is upon them. There there are indicators that God's grace is upon us and there's indicators that God's grace isn't upon us. (laughs) The, The indicators are the fruit of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control when we're walking in that fruit that's evidence that we that were that were grafted in part of the vine we are the branches bearing fruit for his glory we're we're connected in to Jesus, who is the life giver, the fruit bearer in us and through us, when we have that fruit in our lives, it's evidence that we're connected to the vine. We are the branches. He is the vine. We we need to abide in him. When we're abiding in him, we're bearing fruit. When we're not abiding in him, we're lacking all of these things. We have our time loving people, and that's true, generally speaking, with people that we don't love. But it's impossible when we're not filled with the Holy Spirit and, and, and grafted in and abiding in God. But when we're abiding in, in Christ and God in us, we can, we can do all of these things. We can love the most unlovely people we, because there's something of compassion within us. People offend us. We're like, ah, I, I get it. They're probably just having a gnarly day, you know. I've had gnarly days. I, it's, I've been that way. I, I just, Lord, bless them. We we can do wonderful and it's su- it's all supernatural. Like right? when the Holy Spirit is working through us and equipping us to do these things, and we're able to help people lovingly and filled with joy and peace and patience and kindness, and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. So we need to run unselfishly in such a way that we encourage those around us in the grace of God. And, and hand in hand with that, number four says we need to run humbly, humbly. Verse 15 continues, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. So again, we we live our lives in front of everybody and our the fruit of our lives, whether good or bad, they're they're impacting people. If we've got the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we're impacting people in a marvelous way. But if we've got a poisonous root of bitterness growing in us that will impact in a gnarly way, negatively impacting and not just impacting but corrupting many. This verse in verse fifteen is a reference to deuteronomy twenty nine eighteen. I only point that out because Deuteronomy was written about fourteen hundred years before Christ, <laughs> and as I connected the dots as I was writing this sermon, I thought. People have been dealing with this stuff forever. <laughs> I'm like, they were writing about it 1,400 years ago. It was a problem in the garden. Like, there was, there's always been this problem, and so we have to make sure that we're cognizant, mindful, that we're thinking about these things so that we don't allow that, these things to take root in our lives. Watch out the no poisonous root of bitterness. What causes bitterness? Unforgiveness, resentment, disappointment, disillusionment, it can cause a root of bitterness in us that will, well, I, I tell you what, it'll, it will hinder your ability to minister for Jesus because if you're all bitter and angry, you're never gonna have the ability, nor the, even the desire, the care, the love to minister to others. But when we've uprooted that bitterness, I tell you, I have to go around my yard all the time, I'm forever pulling weeds. And I'm surprised, there can be a weed this tall, but there's a root this long underneath, and it's like pulling up all this dirt just trying to get that, that weed out of there. But it's this poison root of bitter, it's like a weed that just, you don't have to do anything to attract it, it just naturally wants to settle in there. Like I don't plant weed seeds, <laughs> they just pop up. And when I think I've got them all, they pop up some more. we I mean, just a natural part of the fallen world. And so the natural part of our fallen world as followers of Jesus Christ is that Bitterness wants to settle in because the enemy's working against us and against our testimony and against our our ministry as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ by trying to plant something of ugliness in us that is never God's design. I mean, look at Jesus. He was falsely accused, beaten, crucified. His friends abandoned him. All of these things and and what is he doing while he's on the cross? He's trying to reach the least of these, the people who deserved crucifixion. He's trying to reach out to them. And to one, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Why? Because there was no root of bitterness in his heart. He was, he was there because he loves people. He's willing to suffer because he loves people. So when we try to love people, we're going to suffer. We're going to suffer, and it's going to be difficult, but we've got to keep loving people by the grace of God, by the grace of God, by the grace of God. Lord, I I wanna love till I'm dead and then I wanna keep loving eternally in the kingdom. I just wanna love, it's the hardest thing in the world though, so easy to find faults. It's easy. It's easy but when we're filled with the spirit of God and convicted by the presence of God, we're able to extend grace and so please, please do that. God's grace will help show you where bitterness is settling in your heart and he'll identify that and he'll help you uproot that. It's a poison that not only affects you but affects those around you. We've all witnessed people who are just bitter. Like darkness settles into their soul. (laughs) And they're unapproachable because they're so easily offended. And you're afraid to say anything or or challenge them, or confront them, because there's just bitterness settled in there, and that's it leads to unteachability, and anger, and all of these things. Boy, that is not God's desire. A, a rattlesnake, interesting truth, a rattlesnake when cornered will get so angry that it'll start biting itself. Isn't that interesting? It'll start like latching onto itself, causing harm to itself, because it's angry and cornered. And and that's often what we're doing. We we, we, we don't even realize, but we're, we're poisoning ourselves. We're, we're, we're ingesting venom into ourselves. We think we're only, you know, affecting those that we're angry with or bitter toward. We think it somehow is affecting their lives, but we're really just poisoning ourselves. So we need to humble ourselves and Forgive those who have hurt us and give grace to those who have sinned against us and just allow the peace of God. The joy of the Lord, the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. That's what gives us the grace to move on. It's the joy of the Lord which comes from forgiving people, loving people unconditionally as God gives us the grace to do so. Just how often 70 times 7 the scripture says, it just means over and over and over and over. Over again. Number five, run morally. Verse 16 says this make sure that no one is immoral. And the Greek word is pornos there, so I don't need to go into that. You know what that word means. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as a firstborn son for a single meal. So Esau sold his birthright, his sacred birthright, for a meal. And now he's likened to an evil person a godless person, an immoral person. It's a bummer that Esau didn't make it into chapter 11, (laughs) like the heroes of faith. But because he was corrupt, he made it into chapter 12. Hey, don't be like Esau. Instead of chapter 11, the heroes of faith, be like these men, be like these women, be like these heroes of faith. Esau's chapter 12. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau. Who traded his birthright as a firstborn son for a single meal? You know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, that's what he sacrificed the blessing as a firstborn, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though. He begged with bitter tears. Let's unpack that verse a little bit because we know that God's grace is sufficient and if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We know that Peter failed miserably and yet repented and found the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that a- Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, we know that King David, the patriarchs of our faith, the leaders of our faith, they failed miserably, but they found grace as they repented. So what we're seeing with Esau is that not that he wanted to repent, but he wanted the blessing that would come as a result of repentance. He wanted he wanted the blessings of God without the work of repentance. A repentance means I'm cha- I'm not I'm not doing that anymore. I'm changing my mind about it. So Esau was heartbroken because he missed out on the blessing. He wasn't heartbroken because he sinned against God. Sometimes we're heartbroken because we're missing out on the blessing, we're not heartbroken because we're, we've are we sinned against the living God, the righteous and pure and perfect living God. We need to have a change of perspective. Like, we don't want to repent just because we want blessing, we want to repent because we've we've, we've, we've sinned against God, we've offended God by our actions and We want to live with a level of peace and joy and connection with God, with a level of morality that honors God. So Esau's our example. Don't don't do this. Don't just just regret that you don't get the blessing. Regret that you've injured the heart of God, that you've offended God, that you've sinned against God. God. Regret that it's your sin and all of our, and my sin that sent Jesus to the cross. Regret that, like have have like a, an awakening of the impact of your sin. Esau missed out. He missed out in life because he, he had it all backwards. He regretted not having the blessing but didn't regret the sin. Huh, that might preach, I don't know. That's gonna to speak to somebody. I, man, we, we have to examine our lives. Are we just wanting God's blessing but we don't wanna like put in the work? We live in a culture that tries to redefine Jesus, that makes him more easily accessible progressive Christianity that says basically everything under the sun is permissible and acceptable by God. Like God's good with it all. Because they're trying to make Jesus more acceptable to a broken and fallen world. When really what we need is we need to realize the brokenness of our condition, our desperate need for his righteousness and his goodness and his for his love. And we we need Jesus. We need to recognize that that Without Jesus, we're, we're doomed or we're without hope or without purpose in this life. The wages of sin is death. It's separation from God for all eternity. The wages, and, that, and that's what we're up against, and that's why Jesus died for us. And then he's called us into this life called Christianity. When that term Christianity first was kind of coined, it was, it was a... It was kind of a slanderous thing. Oh, those are Christians. Those are, those are people who are like Christ, like Jesus. It was derogatory, it wasn't complimentary. Oh, you're a Christian. Oh, you're a Christian? It means you're contrary to the culture. You're contrary to who we are as a world. You know, you're a Christian. So it meant you were hated, despised, unpopular. I'm starting to mean that today. be okay with that. This is a blink. This life is a blink. Some of you are closer than you think. (laughs) And those who are laughing, you might be close too. We just, we have to get it right on this side of heaven. Like Jesus, like we're gonna, you know, die and stand before God and give an account for our lives. I mean, he's gonna, he's gonna, Check our lives. Have you given, have you led anybody to Jesus in your whole life as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you like told somebody you need Jesus? Have you prayed? I mean, what is God asking you to do? Step into that. Don't put it off another day because if you put it off another day, you're going to put it off another week or a month or a year. Or a lifetime. Run the race. Run peacefully as God gives you the grace to do so. Run holy, unselfishly, run humbly, run morally. To run this way, we have to understand God's character. I think we miss an under we don't we have a lack of understanding of God's character, his holiness, the sheer, sheer terror of who he is his power and his holiness. Apart from Christ, we have no access to God. Apart from Christ, we have no access. In the tabernacle, in this holy of holy place, they would send in the high priest once a year and they would tie a rope around his ankle because if if his heart wasn't right, he would be dead in the presence of the living God and they would have to just pull him out. That's the reality. Apart from Christ, we're dead in the presence of God. Let's read here. The writer says in verse 18, and again, he's writing to Jewish people who have recognized their need for Messiah, and they've come out of Judaism, the religion of Judaism, and become Christians, you know, this, ah, Christians, you know, that's who they were talking about, oh, you're a Christian, you know. You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, and the, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai, for they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so, get this, terrible, that they begged God to stop speaking. They were undone in the presence of the living God. They were so terrified by the voice of God, they begged him to stop Moses, you go here from God for us. Come back and be the mediator. We, we can't stand the presence of God. It's too terrible and terrifying. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. So this speaks of the great separation between God and people. Because he is holy and we are unholy because he is sinless and we are sinful. We are separated. We cannot stand in his presence apart from the mercy, the covering, the, the cleansing of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus that covers us. We are, we are completely separate. God is completely unapproachable. The people were unworthy because of their sin to be in God's presence and they they didn't want to hear his voice anymore. Verse 21, Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. So Moses, in the presence of God, so terrified. I'm, I'm, I'm terrified. When was the last time you were terrified? Like watching a scary movie or having something happen? I mean, it's like you can reflect. Maybe something terrifying happened in your life, and you're just, this was Moses' experience. It wasn't just like, hey, dude, Got something to say? He's like terrified. Every time in the Bible when even an angel of the Lord appears, people fall like dead men. They're prostrate, they're just undone, undone. God is great and strong and frighteningly powerful. And <laughs> you know, we think about creation, I, you know, I can't even make a blade of grass grow, right? Stupid little blade of grass. I can't will that end up being. God spoke all of this into existence. The best we can do is fake plants on the platform. <laughs> We're like, oh, that's nice. And you look closer, you're like, that is, it's not alive. There's no, there's no life in that at all. That's the best we can do. Mimic what God has done in creation. But he welcomes us. He welcomes us to come to him through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the following verses communicate the heart of God to a people who humbly come to him, covered by the amazing grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The comparison, no, you've come to Mount Zion, the holy mountain of God, to the city of the living god the heavenly jerusalem and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering you see the contrast <laughs> because of jesus and his grace you have come to the assembly of god's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven <laughs> you have come to god himself who is the judge over over all things you have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. So there's, there's no more separation, not here, not there. We've got a mediator who is Christ, the Lord who welcomes us into the presence of God, who fills us with his power, gives us wisdom for life, saves us, gives us eternity. You've come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people into the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. Verse 25 is a caution and a warning not to miss what God is saying. Caution and a warning. Please, let's not miss what God is saying. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking for if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven speaking of Jesus. We Let's not ignore what God is saying. Maybe you're here and you don't know much about Jesus and maybe just the thought of Jesus causes you to scoff. Maybe you're watching online and just the thought of Jesus and Christianity makes you scoff and kind of laugh. And, and But you're resonating with something of truth about who God is and about what Jesus is calling you to I was in here first service and I, I identified, there was a person here who was just scoffing. In their countenance, they were scoffing. I'm like, I am, I'm scared to death for that person. I don't know how you, I don't know how you can sit in, the, in, in church and, and just scoff at the message of God. And I, I, I'm fearful for that person. I, we, we, we can't afford to scoff at the goodness of God and the power of God. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking, for if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. Everything will be shaken. And the only thing that will last are those things that are unshakable, which are it's our faith in Jesus. There's gonna be a new heaven and, and a new earth. The first heaven, this heaven, this earth and heaven, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna up. it's gonna be consumed. And there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And and we'll have new life in Jesus and new uh experiences in eternity with him. But the things that can be shaken will be shaken. Can your faith be shaken? It's gonna be tested. <laughs> Man, as things become more and more difficult in this world, your faith will be tested and shaken. Will you make it? I don't know. Will you, by God's grace, I hope we make it. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Verse 28, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe for our God is is a devouring fire. (laughs) If we don't take Jesus seriously, we will be without him when we face the Father. And it will be terrifying forever and ever. Forever and ever. Forever and ever. It will never, ever end. And we will know that it's our fault because we refused, we scoffed, we took lightly his grace and his invitation. We will know for all of eternity that it was us who rejected, who scoffed, who ignored, who turned our hearts away from the Lord when he's called us to run with peace and holiness, unselfishly, humbly, and morally as he gives us the grace to do so. So if you want to give your life to Jesus, know that, and maybe you've done this and you didn't know then, but I'm telling you now, it's, it, it requires a lifetime of commitment and connection to God. It's not a once and done. You get saved by grace through faith, but you will never, you'll never make it till the end if you don't hold on with all of your, all of your might. Um, I, I'm, I'm fearful for the the 21st century church, especially in California. I'm fearful for our church. We 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 lack integrity and holiness. When I say the church, I mean the people. I mean the leadership. I mean across the board. We lack integrity and holiness. We lack a conviction about the things of God. I mean, just in general, we just we. We we've got to find our we've got to we got to find Jesus again and return to our first love, and that's the only way we're gonna make it. When they want to cut our heads off because we know Jesus because we love Jesus, when they're killing our family members or torturing us and imprisoning us, and this isn't this is all stuff that's happened around the world now, and has happened for the last two thousand years in in Christendom. This is not this is not exaggerated information. This is the reality. People are, are dying and, being, and suffering and are being persecuted for their faith and they're holding on to Jesus because he's all that matters. And if he's not all that matters right now, we will never hold on when they threaten our resource and our personal health and whatever else it is. Jesus has got to be our priority now. This is the training ground, we gotta get equipped now so that we're ready for whatever, for whatever. Christians in the Ukraine, suffering. Christians in China, Middle Eastern countries, they're, they're suffering, but they're holding on because Jesus is enough, because Jesus is better than anything this world has to throw at them. Jesus isn't that on that level of our priorities that we will just we will quake and we'll quit. We won't endure. Hmm. Lord, thank you for just your word. It, it penetrates deeply. And uh, I pray that we would just humble ourselves and repent. Thoroughly, God, that we would repent thoroughly in Jesus' name. God, that we would give ourselves to you fully, Lord. Thank you for the conviction of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you convict us of sin and of righteousness. You show us what's wrong with our lives, Lord, and you show us the right path, Lord. Continue to do that, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord just feel like if, if you're like here today and you're saying, yeah, I need to go deeper with my faith. I, I, need, I, I need Jesus to be a bigger priority in my life. I, I love him, but I don't know that I love him enough. I'm committed, but I, I'm not sure that I'm that committed. He's my priority, but so are other things. If that's you and you're saying, man, I just want to make a change today. I want you to go ahead and stand up and I'm just going to pray for us. I'm standing. Because we love you, and we want that to matter more than anything else. Such that our love for other things even seem like hatred. That's <laughs> what the scripture talks about. Not that we hate others, but our love compared to our love for Jesus, kind of it's like there's no comparison, Lord. And I I fear we love our money more than you. I fear we love our free time more than you. I fear we love our plan more than we love you, Lord. Lord, help us not to require that you fall in line with us, but that, God, we would fall in line with you. Thank you, Jesus. God, we humble ourselves before you ourselves before you. Thank you that your grace is sufficient, but you've called us to something significant, supernatural, and wonderful. So help us, Lord God, day by day, moment by moment, walk in those things. Thank you for your grace. Let's worship.
1: I'm gonna see a victory See a victory for the battle.
0: The victory is yours. Whatever we're facing in our lives, whatever that thing is that we're holding on to, God, we release it today. Pray for each person in this room on the patio in the loft, those watching online. Pray that people would make a decision in their hearts today, let go whatever is binding them from you. God, you're after our hearts. We thank you for the honor it is to be in your presence. We thank you for the honor it is to worship you. We don't take it lightly that we get to sing, that we get to declare your truth. We love you, Jesus. It's in your precious name we pray.